minute at a time. I was blind, but now I see. Working jobs we hate, so we can buy shit we don't need. Ideas are brittle. If you had one shot, everything I'd ever read, heard, seen was now organized and available. Now you fucking khakis. Life moves pretty fast. The Biohacking Secret Show. Pam Popper, welcome to the Biohacking Secret Show. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to chat because I came across your interview for an upcoming documentary called Planet Lockdown. And perhaps for the people who are listening and aren't familiar, you could give us a little bit of an idea of what Planet Lockdown is and how you came to be involved with that project. Yeah, so this documentary maker um, showed up at our center one night just for an event we had here. And um, what he's attempting to do is to interview all of the people who he thinks are key players in the solution to this, either offering a perspective on what's happening, why it's happening, so we understand better what's going on, because it is pretty, it was pretty confusing, particularly last year. Um, but also the people who he thinks um, are going to make a big difference in how this all turns out. So um, he asked to interview me and, and um, uh, came to see me a few weeks ago, and I was amazed when he started posting these videos because he just put the raw video up there, which I thought was great. You know, I'm used, to, I'm used to seeing myself in documentaries where, you know, it's little snips here and there, and that's all great, but it was just like, here's an hour of what Pam had to say mm -hmm. when I was in her office and the tour of the building to kind of let people get to know me a little bit better, I think, and, um, and that perspective um, with all of his interviewees, I think, has been very interesting. So I'm sure we'll see the finished product with little snippets of us contributing things. But right now, the raw footage is gaining a lot of traction. I'm glad to see that. Absolutely. Me too. And it was one of the reasons that I liked the unedited interview was because I, a, I was impressed with your communication style, very stream of conscious, which is, I think, discernment and intuition is becoming increasing. They're becoming increasingly valuable skills to have. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways that we're able to, um, I don't want to get too woo here, but uh, Dr. Rashid Buttar said it, and I kind of resonated with it where he said, truth has a frequency. And if you, if you trust your, you know, your internal guidance system and you trust your gut, you can tell when someone is being truthful with you versus not. And like one of the things that I've said to a lot of our listeners is I may be wrong at times, but I'm never lying to you. Anything mm -hmm. that I share is because I believe that to be true at the time it was said. And I, I found a lot of what you were sharing in your interview insightful and through your style of communication, it, it struck that frequency of truth, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. And I, I'm with you. I, I mean, I, I tell the truth as I know it. And, um, and if you look at uh, my videos, which I started posting when this whole episode began, I'd been posting videos for a long time anyway, but, but my perspective changed on it as I gained some more understanding about what was going on and what I thought was going on in March was spot on. I mean, I predicted on March, I think it was 10th when I posted the first video, what this was all about with China and everything else, but um, how deep this plot was and how sweeping this plan and how, how much it affects every aspect of our lives. I didn't know that at the time. And so our plan of action morphed over time as we got more information, you know, and I, and I think it, we pretty much know what the story is now. I don't expect big revelations at this point in time. Uh, I just expect a long battle ahead. That's mm -hmm. what I'm seeing now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's important to steel yourself in advance for what could come and and like any good 
leader, warrior, whatever, um, anticipate all different scenarios and prepare for those, you know, yes. so, so that you're, you're not surprised. Um, maybe you can give just before we dive into what really is going on and your perspective there, uh, a, a little bit of your background, you know, when someone uh, uh, at a cocktail party asks you what you do, what do you say? Well, I, I have invented unknowingly, actually, a practice specialty called informed medical decision making. And um, how we started was a little different, but we've been in business for 25 years at Wellness Forum Health. And essentially what we do, we have huge libraries, like 3,500 hours of educational programming that covers everything from kidney stones to stage four cancer treatment, a couple thousand articles that are referenced. We own a school, we train health professionals how to do what we do. And essentially what we do is this, think about the way that you buy houses and cars and appliances and retirement accounts. You may not be in those businesses or know a lot about those things, but you know enough to ask questions, check into things, you know, figure out what you can afford to do, make a judgment call based on your own value system. That's how people make decisions that are important in their lives. And what I've always found really interesting is how much people will even brag about their decision-making capability I knew the interest rate wasn't right. I told that bank, right? Okay, people do this. And then they walk into a doctor's office. The doctor says, you need this $80,000 surgery. And people go, okay, how about Thursday, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, just complete, you know, all common sense. But so, so we teach people to be informed consumers. And to that point, we have members in 33 countries. We're a large company. When this all started, our people knew from the get-go what was going on. I mean, they just don't believe what they're told. They check into everything. That's the D that's in the DNA of the people we train, including our, our consumer members. So, so that's what we do. And so checking into this was just a natural extension of what I have been doing for 25 years. And what I've always done is prepare very detailed stuff for our paying clients. And I give some of it away for free on YouTube and newsletters and and all that. And that's how this started. And then it just really grew from there. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And for people that wanted to stay uh, in touch with the things that you're releasing, your newsletters and get more real time, factual news, what's the best way for them to go about doing that? Uh, they can send me an email at pampopper at msn.com. And I, we will send you a newsletter on Monday, a, you know, something a written article, usually fully referenced. Sometimes it's an opinion piece, but usually fully referenced article. Um, I've got one coming out next week uh, on the Pfizer vaccine. A doctor and I looked at the clinical trial. It's it's just, it's a joke. Okay. We can talk about that. But anyway, um, Monday is newsletter day, Tuesday through Friday are video days. We send you a, a, a video. And um, then I post, I call it the forbidden video, which I post on my website at Wellness Forum Health every week. That's where I put all the stuff that YouTube would take down. <laughs> so, so that's for free. And I do answer, I mean, I give the, the uh, staff, the people to add to our distribution list, but I answer my emails and I make it particularly a point to do that during this time because people are unhinged and they need to hear from people. They need to know somebody's listening to them or caring about them or whatever's going on in their life, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, absolutely. All right. So let's, let's do the 30,000 foot overview of what's really going on. We have many different industries overlapping from our, you know, judicial system, which I'm excited to, to talk with you about and how that can play a role here. You, we've got big pharma, we've got venture capitalism and real estate plays, mm -hmm. um, buying up stuff on the cheap. 
the military industrial complex, a virus, a technocracy, and the the radiation that is required in order for that technocracy to be rolled out. And then if we really wanted to get weird, there's things like Georgia Guidestones and whatnot that could involve eugenics and lowering the population in order to usher in a cryptocurrency-based technocratic system. Uh, what's your take on what's really going on? And please don't allow anything that I just said that you may disagree with to influence your reveal. Yeah, well, it, I think the simple version is that it, this is a, a, a really big episode of what I call medical tyranny. If you look at what's going on right now, and all of those things are a part of it, what you just said, but but um, medical tyranny has been going on in the United States for a long time. And for decades, it's been getting worse. And let me give you some examples of medical tyranny. Medical tyranny is when um, a hospital says you can't work here unless you get a flu vaccine. Medical tyranny is when a psychiatrist says to a parent, you must give this five-year-old Risperdal because he has behavior problems or I'm gonna report you to Child Protective Services, all right? Medical tyranny is when a school, when a uh, legislature passes a law saying a child can't go to school unless he has 57 vaccines before the first grade. That's medical tyranny. The government taking control of our lives, all right? Medical lives. All right, so what are we seeing right now? It's just a big version of it, okay? Medical tyranny, using a fake virus, a fake pandemic to control people's behavior, to hijack the economy, to destroy the middle class, to take children, a whole generation of children and ruin them. We're not gonna let that happen, but essentially that's what they'd like to have happen, right? So that's what we have here. And for decades, medical tyranny has been getting worse instead of better because, and I don't wanna sound arrogant when I say this, but we've been using the wrong strategies to try to overcome it. And so I've learned from watching what's gone on and we're not gonna do the same things that didn't work this time. We're gonna have a different approach. We do have a different approach to it. But that's what's going on. And then if you take it a step further, what would be the motivation for the medical tyranny? It's always been about controlling people, but this is just medical tyranny on a grand scale, where what we're gonna do is we're gonna use medicine and fear of health issues and all this, just like Hitler did. I mean, I don't know if you're aware, but when Hitler locked the Jews in the Warsaw ghetto, he did it because he didn't want the good people outside the ghetto to be infected by the Jewish people. Same kind of crap, right? Mm -hmm. um, so this is all about population control. This is all about forced vaccination. This is all about promoting the interests of pharmaceutical companies, about getting control of governments and turning them into socialist um, civilizations and societies instead of uh, democracies and republics. We've just lost our republic today. And uh, we're gonna have to work real hard to get it back because today we live in the People's Republic of America. That's what we're living now. I live in the People's Republic of Ohio, which is a division of the People's Republic of America. So that's what this has been all about. And it's not over, it, it can be overcome, but we are facing the same type of battle that we faced in World War II. And I think there are a couple of things about that. One is we need to not underestimate the job that has to be done. And the second thing, and I've already dealt with this about 150 times today, we can't let everything that happens make us feel defeated. In other words, you know, people like Winston Churchill didn't say, well, they, they, they invaded France, we're done. He said, they invaded France, things are bad. We're gonna have to really buckle down here and save England, right? Um, so no matter how bad it gets, we've got to retain this idea that we can fix it and then, uh, and I'm not talking about just thinking happy thoughts. I mean, I can get discouraged about it too, but I can't let that last very long because I'm not going to be very useful 
in uh, making sure that this turns out okay if I spent a lot of time, you know, crying in my beer, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been surprised these past nine, 10 months at how many people choose to ignore evidence and um, would rather even like some of some of my closest friends of, of 10, 20 years, um, not they, they didn't call me crazy. Maybe they thought I had gone crazy at the very early on um, because of what I was sharing. And, you know, the, their only exposure to Bill Gates was Microsoft and a Netflix documentary. Um, I could see how the uh, uh, the juxtaposition between what I was talking about and what they knew seemed quite absurd. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm surprised still with this growing body of evidence, how many people have kind of chosen this approach that, that I would equate to like burying their head in the sand, mm-hmm. like an ostrich. Yeah. Um, what would you say to someone, you know, I, I shared one of Dr. Joseph Mercola's articles with some of my friends that was on the, 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 technocratic regime. And uh, Mercola is a, a, a mentor of mine. We spent some time together and, you know, my friends who are very intelligent people, some of them, um, you know, the most financially successful minded people that, that, that I know of at least. And uh, their response was, well, I think this is a little bit outside of Mercola's realm of expertise. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He's a doctor with what, who is he to say that these things are going on? Where's the proof? You know, is that something that you've faced when, when you've explained this possibility that I am 100% in agreement with, but I'm thinking just, just in case there are some of the people who find themselves to be doubt, doubting that, or, uh, a little bit more skeptical, you know, when they call you a conspiracy theorist, uh, not that we can change anyone's mind, right. Cause we can't, right. it really is up to them. Like to anyone listening to this, like we need to start doing our own research, recognizing that the information that we're getting from Google and and the social networks is often intentionally distorted to shift our consciousness into a particular direction, a direction that serves their agenda. But we need to get good at doing our own research, using our own discernment, putting on our critical thinking cap and coming to our own conclusions. So uh, Pam nor I are going to try to change your mind. You know, only you can change your mind and we need to stop outsourcing our critical thinking because that's what got us into this mess. Having said that, Pam, what do you say when someone pulls out the old conspiracy theorist card or, you know? Well, I think that one of the things, the principles that we teach here is to get away from um, the expert game. Okay. Mm -hmm. Appeal to authority. Well, yeah, and and in the, in the medical field in particular, I my contention is that some people become the known expert because they're better at, at spitting out the dogma than some of the other people. All right, so so let's look at our current situation. I want to come back to how we change people's minds, but let's look at our current situation. If we go with the expert, Fauci's the expert. He's the world's leading virologist, except he's a uh, criminal. I know, uh, he's a criminal, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so what we've always taught people here is let's have some rules for filtering evidence. Okay. Like there's, there are rules for a football game. I teach by analogy. So you could say football, we just, we're all going to gather and run up and down the field, you know, for an hour. And then at the end of an hour, we'll talk about who won the game. Well, that's one way to do it. Or you could say, we'll have some rules for football. All right. So first of all, I can't play. I'm 64 years old. I weigh 119 pounds. I probably wouldn't be a very good linebacker. Right. So I can't play. And we have a certain number of people on each team. And the first down is 10 yards and 15 minutes for the quarters and all that kind of stuff, right? So at the end of a season of thousands of football games, we have maybe 
I don't know, six or eight plays that we debate about what happened and all that, but the rest of it was determined by the rules. And so let's look at science that way. So you can find a study in the scientific literature to support anything you wanna say. If you wanna make a claim on this show that chocolate helps you lose weight, I can show you studies that show that. Let's say you wanted to do a 45 minute presentation on the benefits of smoking. I could actually put that together for you. Now, the problem would be that I would be ignoring huge swaths of evidence showing the opposite. The preponderance of the evidence shows the opposite. And so when we look at information, we're teaching our people, and I can teach anybody how to do this, including high school kids in an afternoon, all right? Let's look at conflicts of interest, study design, the difference between a surrogate marker versus a clinical outcome, statistically significant versus clinically meaningful. So we have 19 rules we use, and then you know the answer. So that's the first thing, as I always tell people, um, if you want to have a debate with me, first of all, name calling, doesn't that's not a debate. So let's look at information and let's furthermore set some rules for looking at the information, just like we have rules for football. We just can't run up and down for an hour and then decide who wins, right? Well, you, you lose a whole lot of people who just won't engage in the conversation because they absolutely know that they can't compete with you if you're gonna have rules for scientific engagement. And if this was done for health professionals at, at, during their training, they wouldn't do most of what they do because probably three quarters of what's done in healthcare settings isn't warranted by any type of information or, or scientific evidence. Okay, so that's the first thing. I think the second thing is that when we start talking about intelligent, successful people, um, that is a subjective term. You know, uh, and I'll give you a couple of examples. One of the most um, uh, egregious things that happened during World War II is that is the collaboration of IBM Corporation with the Nazis. I don't know if you realize, but the Nazis couldn't have done what they did without the punch card system that was provided by IBM. They set up a subsidiary. They knew what they were doing. They had to have Nazis as board members in order to do it. And they actually helped through the collection of census data uh, they helped the Nazis do a couple of things. One is, didn't you always wonder how when the Nazis walked into an apartment building, they knew that the people in 3F were Jews and the people in 3G were Catholics and you could leave them alone, right? That was all done through census taking and the punch card system. And they also used it, and, and this was another miracle of Nazism, where they knew exactly how much time the bodies took in the crematorium, how long to take it out so that the next train load of bodies that were gonna, of humans, live humans who were gonna go into those places, um, they knew exactly when they were supposed to arrive. And so, um, and, and then another great co-conspirator was the owner of L'Oreal, right? So you've got incredibly educated, smart, financially successful people like the president of IBM and the founder of L'Oreal, who, I don't know, is it stupidity or is it, um, I don't know what you call it, but they've, they've aided and abetted the Nazis and apparently didn't see any problem with what they were doing. And um, so uh, I, I don't really put much stock in financially successful, intelligent, educated people. In fact, I found that sometimes the more educated they are, the more susceptible they seem to be to erroneous information and buying into it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, it's critical for us to start from a place of truth and understanding of some of the things that have taken place in history so that we don't repeat them. And it's becoming increasingly difficult, especially as we see like a digital form of burning the books with search engine results being rearranged and, you know, certain things hidden and other things 
put to the forefront. Let's dig in a little bit more about some of the, the history that many people don't know that is vitally important here. You know, so some examples that come to mind, there's there's Fauci with with AIDS, which in and of itself is its is its own <laughs> nonsense and mess. And I'm not saying that to be insensitive, but we could get into AIDS if we want to. But there's Fauci with AZT and the damage that he did in killing and injuring many gays in, in, in that community. We have Gates killing and sterilizing women in Africa and India with vaccines that many of these women were told were something else. Uh, we have these the, the Tuskegee syphilis experiments on the African-American community that took place. So I just wanted to get the ball rolling with a few, but I'm curious, what are some of the things in history that many people don't know, but are vital for us to understand in order for us to start from a foundation of truth? Well, I think, first of all, the use of health to control people. That was Hitler. And, and the psychiatry profession was the, was the biggest uh, influence on Hitler. The idea that you take undesirable people and it's, we did this in the United States. You take a person who's undesirable for whatever reason and you institutionalize them. You know, Tom Saws was a great, um, I think he was Hungarian uh, immigrant to the United States. And he wrote a book called The Myth of Mental Illness. It's a great book and everybody should read it because what he basically said is there isn't a single characteristic that mentally ill, quote unquote, people exhibit that we don't all exhibit. It's a matter of degree. And who gets to decide who's crazy? Remember the, 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 um, uh, the, um, uh, Salem witch trials. Okay, those are those were people who were burned at the stake, women who were burned at the stake because they were thought to be crazy. Crazy equals dangerous, right? So we just eliminate people who are a little bit of outside the box, right? So um, so this idea of um, of health being used as a guise for um, all kinds of of terrible actions in the past is 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 a very important lesson to learn. We haven't learned it very well. You mentioned the burning of books, and I'll, I'll tell you something. I think I still have it. So I wrote a book called COVID Operation, which is the uh, I have it right here. It's fantastic. Oh, thank you. All right. Thank you. <laughs> well, you probably noticed that it the, the digital book the uh, the uh, Kindle version was taken off of Amazon. Oh, and, um, yeah. So good we for have, you. You have to get the, I know, I must be, I must be telling the truth, right? Yeah. It's taken off of Amazon. So there's an ebook you can buy on my wellness form health website. But what happens all the time when people go to buy this book, it's selling very, very well, but they, you have to wait so long to get it because it continually says sold out. Mm. So they discourage people. So people will order it anyway, which it's designed to be sold out so you can't get it. Now, it's not sold out because it's print on demand all over the world. So that's a message that they programmed it to, um, uh, to say so that it discourages people from buying it, right? So the book, the equivalent of book burning is going on right now. Mm -hmm. but, um, but to your point, I think one thing that's really interesting is looking at the background of all the characters, which I did in, in COVID Operation, Meet the Players, and they all mm -hmm. had colorful backgrounds. I mean, Redfield and Burks work together. He's had a CDC and she's mm -hmm. the scarf lady. Mm -hmm. They worked together in, when they were in the army and uh, they were falsifying data. They got in trouble. They, should, they were thinking about court martialing them. But what you do in the government is you just either move them down to something else. I mean, Redfield went to the University of Maryland, I think. And the cockamamie story that they cooked up was that he just missed being in private practice. Right. Okay. He, he missed being court martialed or fabricating data. Um, and she, the same thing, she got some appointment under the Obama administration later on. And then you mentioned Fauci's nefarious 
activities. Um, what he's doing right now, suppressing data about ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, uh, and promoting remdesivir. There are nine members of Gilead's uh, of Gilead on nine members of his board are employees of Gilead or associated with Gilead, which makes remdesivir. So he clearly favors that, which is a useless drug and a very expensive one, over inexpensive hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so both that, of which have shown to be uh, effective. Ivermectin, oh, yeah. uh, an antiparasite, antiparasitic, I believe, and uh, hydroxychloroquine also used yeah. with malaria. And and it, and, it, and, and they're cheap solutions. That's the problem. Is there's no money to be made with them. But my gosh, in in Nigeria, they give hydroxychloroquine to pregnant women. It's a safe drug. Costs thirteen dollars. No reason not to use it. But it's you understand this behavior when you go back. You mentioned about his uh, his tenure as head of NIAID during the AIDS crisis. So he invented this crazy theory that HIV causes AIDS, which it doesn't. And when people started showing up with AIDS-defining diseases and they weren't HIV positive, he invented a new category to throw those people into so he could stick with his stupid story. And it was ridiculous and people knew it at the time. He trash-talked people like Peter Duisberg at Stanford University. He wrote a whole book about what an idiot he was, with well-referenced book, by the way, um, about Fauci. And uh, What book is that? Um, the, it, the, his, the author's name is Duesberg, D-U-E-S-B-E-R-G, I believe, maybe B-U-R-G. But, but anyway, he's, uh, he was a Stanford University professor who was on to Fauci's nonsense and wrote a great big book. I can't remember the name of it. I might think of it while we're... While our, we're list, our listeners could dig it up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. If you search his name and you'll see the same type of trash talk, anybody who agrees with the power base, you know, denigrate their character, their conspiracy mm-hmm. theories. But the bottom line was that um, he had decided that AIDS, that HIV was a virus that was going to spread through the population like wildfire, and it was going to kill uh, everybody. It was a it was a non-selective disease, all right, and it led to AIDS, and then we were going to have death and destruction all over the place, and it was important to find a vaccine. Sound familiar, right? Well, as it turned out, um, HIV is a fairly harmless virus that people overcome usually without any incidents. And how we found that out was because of the the AIDS crisis, we started testing uh, for HIV when people went into the military. We found there were lots of people who had tested HIV positive. It just didn't mean anything, right? Um, so, as I mentioned, he took the AIDS um, patients who were not HIV positive, called them something else to get rid of that inconvenient data set. And uh, with the gay community screaming about needing a cure, um, he went to Burroughs. He had some friends at Burroughs, and uh, they had tested a drug for cancer patients that later became AZT. This drug killed all the test animals. They didn't even patent it. So he dusts it off the shelf, this is a great guy Fauci is, and tests it on the uh, AIDS patients. And they knew the test, the the, the trial was unblinded day one because the people taking the drug are vomiting blood and they're curled up on the floor. So, and and he somehow gets this approved by the FDA. Well, I mean, they approve everything, so not surprising, I suppose. And uh, that became AZT. And and if you saw the Dallas Buyers Club, that's what was going on. The community started figuring out that they were being killed by the treatment. And they started looking outside, actually going to Mexico. That was based on a true story of a guy that was going to Mexico and bringing drugs back. So that's Fauci's background. And as if that's not bad enough, he actually did a clinical trial on pregnant HIV positive women using AZT. 
I mean, it, it just when you think about this, the, the complete disregard for human life that this guy's demonstrated in his, in his past. So you got him. Then you've got, I'll tell you, another interesting character in this whole thing is this guy Tedros. He's head of the World Health Organization. He's not a doctor. Um, he got there because of Gates, because Gates is the number one funder of the World Health Organization. All right. Uh, Tedros is also a good friend of President Xi. And on the Goodwill Ambassadors uh, group, or whatever they call it, is President Xi's wife, who's listed on the website as an opera singer, but she's a general in the People's Army. And we have some footage of her downloaded to our computer of her singing for the troops while they slaughtered people in Tiananmen Square. And she's apparently involved in locking up the Uyghurs and using them for body parts. So you definitely want a person like this, like associated with World Health Organization. When Tedros took that job, his first nominee for the Goodwill Council was Robert Mugabe, okay? Now, even Gates couldn't get that done. I mean, you just, you just can't make this stuff up. Um, while he was uh, involved in Minister of Health or whatever they called him in the country of Ethiopia, that's where he's from, over 2 million people from an ethnic group he despised disappeared from the census. Nobody can explain it. And he was written up by every agency that inspected health centers for misappropriating funds. He built clinics without running water. I mean, it, it just it's misbehavior and incompetence. I don't know if you can call it incompetence on a scale that you've never seen before. And he's head of the World Health Organization. Um, and he started spreading the word per President Xi's instructions from China as soon as this hit about the value of lockdowns when there was no proof that it worked and the Chinese hadn't really been locked down to the extent that they said they did. Mm -hmm. So you've got him and then you've got Gates who, and think about his background, all right? And, and this comes back to something I said earlier. He comes from a family, very wealthy family. And one of their best friends, mommy and daddy was Margaret Sanger who founded Planned Parenthood and used to give talks at Ku Klux Klan rallies. Those are always good family friends to have great influence on young people, I've always thought, right? So he grows up and he's called a child prodigy and a self-made billionaire, but his mommy was head of United Way. And mommy is the person who introduced the young Bill to the president of IBM. And isn't it interesting that he ends up um, making a deal with IBM, right? Mm -hmm. so, um, so that's Bill Gates. And then he starts his company, Microsoft, which make substandard products. I don't know if you're old enough to remember every time they'd update and people would say, don't buy it, don't buy it until two years later because it was such a piece of garbage, right? That was uh, that was Microsoft. He gets sued by the Trade Commission. I don't know if you saw Plandemic 2 mm -hmm. when they showed him rocking back and forth. He looked like a lunatic, right? So now he's the world's richest man and he's America's doctor. He's the most powerful doctor in the world, according to one magazine cover. Does that scare you a little bit? So all these nefarious characters, there are more, but that's a pretty good smattering of them come together and they're in charge of the world's lives now. 700 or uh, 7 billion people, seven and a half billion people who are all waiting to see what Fauci, Redfield, Burks, Tedros and Gates have in mind for their lives. It scares the heck out of me. Mm -hmm, mm hmm. And there's there's periods of feeling. I think part of the reason that that folks hung on so long to the Trump is is our savior narrative is because it's so 
clear that that we have a tremendous amount of criminals in positions of power mm-hmm. and we see the evidence against them and you know you're hoping okay this is this is going to be something that is coming from the top down right that's why trump's in there he's going to he's going to finally clean the swamp and yada 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 and then where it's at the I think January twentieth right now we're seeing this inauguration and it's kind of like oh oh god it doesn't look like he's doing it you know mm-hmm. I mean there's still like a tiny part of me the the less rational part that's like maybe there's an ace up a sleeve but um, you know is is there for I remember when I was a kid there was this term citizens arrest and like where um, it is is there a bottom up way to hold people accountable for faulty models, for crimes against humanity, for deliberate deception, for um, eugenics plans. You know what I mean? That, that are guised as something else. Like you feel, you feel kind of helpless. Sometimes you understand our legal system better than I do. And, and, and what, you know, what options exist if, well, if it's not, if it's not Trump in there doing it. Well, even if Trump got elected, it wouldn't change what I'm doing right now. Because Trump can't just issue some edict that fixes all this stuff that's going on, right? So the only way this is going to get fixed, I mentioned before, decades of medical tyranny with the wrong approaches used to solve it, okay? So what I figured out early summer last year in, in 2020, what was going on, I had an epiphany. We have to go about this differently. And what we have to do is, is I'll tell you what our plan is. It's the only hope we have. And it involves people waking up and getting active. All right. And they don't, and the, people don't like my plan when they first hear about it because they want to do the easy thing that they're used to doing, but it doesn't work. All right. So mm-hmm. you know, two things I tell people before we start this part of the discussion, the law of holes, when you're in a hole, you stop digging. All right. And the second thing is the definition of insanity is we keep doing things that don't work, hoping for a different outcome. Mm-hmm. All right. So historically, what did we try to do to keep the vaccine mandates from happening and all that? Well, people signed petitions and declarations. Well, they tried doing this here, too. You notice anything changing as a result of it? No, petitions and declarations don't change it. They sent emails to politicians. They don't even read their emails. All right. They prepared education packets for their politicians. That didn't work. They staged protests. That didn't work. They brought in experts to testify. They brought in people who had injured children to testify. And what did these legislatures do? What did these politicians do? What the heck they wanted to do? None of that made any difference. Okay, so what did people start doing when all this started? I'm gonna take evidence about masks to the county commissioners meeting and show them the error of their ways. Didn't work out, did it? I'm gonna send emails to my legislators and tell them I insist that you vote to impeach the governor. Did it work? No, all right. So I don't do any of those things, okay? I haven't contacted my legislators. I'm not going to, I don't, not ever. Not, not, I shouldn't say not ever, but not until it's the right time. So I started Make Americans Free Again. Website's makeamericansfreeagain.com. And what we are going to do is we are going to unite tens of millions of Americans in one database who, have, who share one single interest and we're not gonna let anything else get in the way. No other things except for we don't want medical tyranny. Everybody can understand that. It takes one sentence, right? Simplicity is the key. So, and, and we have some short-term and some long-term strategies. So, so the short-term strategy while we're building that database, because I need 70 or 80 million people to do what I want to do. All right. I'll come back to that. 
The short-term strategy is filing lawsuits, which we are doing. We filed a lawsuit in Ohio in federal court, in New Mexico in federal court, and we filed against the feds. And we're getting ready to file another lawsuit against the feds in two more states came on. I can't tell you which ones, but we're going to be filing in two more states and we're going to file in every single state. And the claim that we're making should have been made from the beginning. There is no pandemic. It's a hoax. Officials know it. They're committing fraud. All right. Now, why is that important? Because there have been 5,000 lawsuits filed in this country. And I get an email every day from people who want me to help out. And I know they don't like when I say no. They want to file one more lawsuit claiming masks are bad or my constitutional rights are being violated. I agree. But the other side, the government comes in and says, it's an emergency. And the judge mm -hmm. goes, oh, yeah, it's an emergency. They got a lot of power. Our claim is it's not an emergency. So the government's response to that can't be it's an emergency. So what happened in Ohio, we filed on August 31st, and it was very interesting because that afternoon, our little emperor, and by the way, I'm the one who started using that term. They use it on news programs now. I started that. Our little emperor was giving a press conference, and he talked about isolation camps, and he let it slip that the feds give him a per day in, uh, reimbursement for everybody he locks up, right? So he's ordered every college and university, public one, to set aside room to, to lock people up. We hit the send button. Our attorney hit send button at uh, 8.30 that night. And we haven't heard about isolation camps since. Now, life in Ohio is not good, but everything's open. He even opened up major sports like Ohio State football and the crew and extended the curfew for them because, and this was lame, he said, people who attend sporting events have proven to be more responsible, which is why we have major sporting events in Columbus now. It's ridiculous, but that's what he said. And so we've already seen the effect and um, he has to watch what he does. I think his attorney tells him, you know, Mike, you better not uh, take this too far. You've got a judge looking at stuff now. And um, as soon as we filed in New Mexico, the little empress down there stopped having so many press conferences. I think she's a tiny bit worried, but think about what it'll be when we file this in all 40 states and we're gonna. And this will end up at the Supreme Court is where we're going. So lawsuits are the first thing. Once we win the fraud lawsuits, I mean, we, they're not fraud lawsuits, but that's the inevitable end is you prove that this was fraudulent, right? So what happens next is that you can go after the perpetrators. So these governors are rich. They say that our little emperors were $70 million. Now, having spent 50 years in public service, I would like to know how he actually accumulated that money. But I don't really care at this point. I think it would go a long way in making the people who he destroyed in Ohio whole, all right? So that's one thing we do. We can go after the airlines for putting people on the no-fly list like the terrorists for not wearing a mask. We can go after the big box stores for discrimination. So all that comes later. And you really start to um, deter people from engaging in this activity. And I have some other things I want to do too, but so the, the, the short-term strategy is lawsuits because the courts are the only functioning branch of government we have left. All right. Mm -hmm. Now the long-term strategy and, and, you know, Fauci said in 2017 that Trump was going to face a pandemic as president. He was psychic. So if I had been equally psychic and knew that, I would have started Make Americans Free Again. I would have had 70 million people say in my database by the time this all happened. And here's what I would have done in Ohio. This is an example of what you can do. If politicians don't care about petitions and declarations and human life and dignity, and if they don't care about anything, what do they do care about? Being elected, right? They want to be elected. So articles of impeachment were, were drafted against our governor last summer, and it was an election year, all right? 
So think about if I had the database and I sorted the Ohio names by district, because we can do that with our database. And I made a trip now to see my useless senator, who I think she won her seat by 17 votes. So she's not a real popular girl, right? And you say, I want to introduce you to a new program we have here. It's called Citizens in Charge, right? So I understand you don't want to impeach the governor, but I want you to do it. And so do 20,000 people in your district. And I brought the list just so you could see they're all registered voters. All right. So here's the deal. There's an election in November. And there's a and couple hundred of them behind me. Yeah. Yeah. But see, I got 20,000 of them here. And so you're going to vote to impeach the governor or we're taking you out. OK, you're going to be gone in November. And I have the votes to do it because 20,000 beats 17 anytime, Right. Mm-hmm. And and this is something we can start doing this year. And people say, well, it's two years before an election. Oh, yes, it is. But the faster we fill this, these names, here's what we're going to do. We're going to threaten to primary. All right. So so right now, these people really, they, they think they're, they're pretty set to go for the general election. They're going to spend all their money then. But anybody who doesn't dance to our tune where we have enough of, enough of these people in our database, we can basically say, you're going to do what we say, or we're going to run somebody against you and force you to spend all your money in the primary. And I'm lining up people all over the state of Ohio right now to run. Some of them are going to win, by the way, and they're better people. Some of them aren't going to win, but they will just screw up the election for the nitwit who's uh, standing in the way. And by the way, you don't have to do this with everybody. Had we have we started this with um, last summer, many people would have fallen in line because they would see the handwriting on the wall. And all you have to do is take a couple of these people out and then the others start to eat because nobody's ever done this before. So they'll think it's a little bit of hot air in the beginning, but once you do it, they will start to be afraid of us. And you know something? I am sick and tired of people in this country being afraid of government. You know what I want? I want people to be afraid of me slash us. That's the goal. They're going to be afraid. If we don't do what these people say, we're not going to be here anymore. And one thing that comes up, people say to me, well, but, you know, the president of the Senate and the Speaker of the House, um, you know, they get a lot of money from all these companies. And if they don't call a vote, you know, everybody has all the reasons why it isn't going to work. Let me tell you what you do with them. And this is what I would have done last year. I live in a Republican state. All right. And so it stays Republican pretty much. So what I would have done is I would have gone to the Speaker of the House and the President of the Senate and said, you know what? You guys aren't calling the impeachment vote. Republican uh, politicians aren't working out so well for us. So we're going to take our chance with Democrats. All right. Mm-hmm. You either call the vote or I, I'm, here's my voter list for all the people in your caucus I can take out. I brought it with me. And if you don't do this, we're going to do this. So you can't be the Speaker of the House if I take out your caucus, can you? You can't be the president of the Senate if we take out your caucus. This is the language they understand. And I have to tell you something, I'm a peace loving person and I don't like to have to have these conversations, but I am going to have these conversations and we all better get geared up for this type of a thing. It's the only thing that works. It's Mm -hmm. easy to go to a protest. It takes an hour of my time. It doesn't change anything, all right? Mm -hmm. This is harder to do but it actually changes things mm-hmm. because this is all they care about. You know, if you just think about it, they've obviously don't care about us or they would have done something about it. All mm-hmm. the, and, and you know, what was interesting here in Ohio, these people who didn't vote for impeachment, oh, they were so sympathetic. Oh, I know people are going out of business and I know kids are not doing well now that they're not in school. It's just terrible. Well, it's just terrible, but what are you doing about it? 
This episode of the Biohacking Secrets Show is brought to you by Veritas Farms and their full line of CBD products, CBD standing for cannabidiol. Now, we are real excited about this partnership because Veritas means truth in Latin, and we are big believers in bringing you guys the truth, not just through this podcast, but by making sure that any products that we share or that we bring on as sponsors are products that we personally use, believe in, and endorse ourselves. And that is the case with Veritas Farms and their full line of CBD products. The reason that they're so great, they are full spectrum hemp products, meaning that they have all of the beneficial phytonutrients that you get in a quality CBD product. 99% of the CBD products on the market are CBD isolate, and they're just being resold, meaning they're coming from a few small manufacturers. They've only got one tiny part of all of the important phytonutrients that you need to get the benefits you want from a CBD product, and they're just a bunch of different companies reselling them. Veritas Farms is vertically integrated, meaning they own the farm. They ensure that there are no pesticides being added. It's organic, and then they control the entire process from harvesting to extraction until that product ends up at your door. That's what I love it. It's kind of like farm to table, but for CBD. And the benefits that I've noticed, my sleep is better. I feel like I get a deeper, more restful night's sleep. I'm less stressed. I never have periods of anxiety. I feel calm and focused throughout the day, and it even decreases in inflammation when I have flights or other things where inflammation is an inevitable part of life. You take a little extra CBD and it can be very helpful for stress, anxiety, sleep, and that inflammation. So if you guys want to check it out, we've arranged a 15% discount for you guys. To get that, you can go to theveritasfarms.com forward slash biohacks. I'll spell it out. T-H-E-V-E-R-I-T-A-S-F-A-R-M-S.com forward slash B-I-O-H-A-C-K-S to save 15%. Check out the Veritas Farms CBD. You guys are going to absolutely love it. So it's clear that we need numbers, 70 to 80 million to be exact, right? And I'm thinking, how, how is this also made to be something that takes on a life of its own, where no matter what, you know, just in, in the same way that, that many of the oligarchs have a system where like, you know, uh, vengeance, vengeance is mine, says, says the Lord. So like the answer is not to go and <clears throat> no violence, right? You're not killing anyone or taking anybody out. That's not, that's not our role. And there will just be someone else in line to replace that person and do the, you know, push forward the agenda that, that, that they were pushing. How do we make this something that is where there's an army of light warriors, you know, people, who do you need more of aside from just the numbers? Do you need more lawyers? Do you need more, you know, what are some of the roles that we want to have thousands of people in line to step into? And also, how do we also, how do we make sure that there's funding and donations where, um, you know, we can help get the right people into office and maybe make it worth some of these people's time because we know that economic dependence has been created, but we can also use that to be as to be more organized than them. You know, what are your thoughts on getting this to take on a life of its own and who do we need more of? Okay. So we need more people and from more people comes all that. And I'll give you an example. All right. So I got this idea. It started in Ohio. By the way, our um, uh, state slogan is the heart of it all. Ohio, the heart of it all. So we started here, right? So I got this idea. One of my friends, uh, (laughs) one of my friends, we were in Las Vegas in 2011. First day we got there way too excited. And we were taking a little afternoon nap and he goes, Hey, do you want to uh, take a nap 
or go get a tattoo. He's from Ohio. And I'm like, all right, let's go get a tattoo. We're in Vegas, right? We're in the chair. And I hear him going, I want to get the state of Ohio on my calf. And I was like, whoa, whoa, no, he's had one too many cocktails. And he's like, no, man, it looks like a heart. It's beautiful. He's like, I've wanted this for a decade. And I was like, you're, you're sure this isn't like a Vegas decision? He's like, no, I want the heart of Ohio on my calf. Please yeah. continue. Yeah, so we're the, our state slogan is the heart of it all. So it's starting here. So I started thinking, how do we do this? Because remember, they have a lot of restrictions still on people congregating and everything else, which we break those rules all the time. But I started a Thursday group here. We call them Thursday groups because it started on Thursday. So I have a pretty big office and we started having a meeting here at six o'clock on Thursday. And then pretty soon more people come, more people come, more people come. And then the group started having babies. Like this group's driving from 45 minutes away. You go back where you are and it's easier for people to join you. And then the baby group started having babies, having babies. And now it's spread all over Ohio. So there's Thursday groups. So we started exporting this to other states. And what happened when we started the, the grassroots, like the really the stuff I'm talking about, everything comes from that, okay? The money comes from that. And we have a donate button on our, on our website and, and our attorney, we paid our attorney $150,000. That's not as much as we should, but it's still a whole bunch of money and nobody came up with more than $1,000. That's the most that was donated. So, and then you also find your experts um, you find your volunteers, everything comes from Thursday groups, right? So I started exporting this and people are going, well, where are we going to get a lawyer? Where are we? So, so anyway, um, the people started Thursday groups and a friend of mine in one of the states that we're getting ready to file in, um, she said, okay, I trust you. I'm going to start a Thursday group. And then there's more Thursday groups, more, more, more. And what, you know, a few weeks ago into one of the Thursday groups walks the dream attorney of all time. Like you cannot find this guy on the on online. And if you looked at his profile online and the types of cases he's tried, you wouldn't really think of him for this. But when you talk to him, you see he's perfect, right? Mm -hmm. And then in another state, a woman I didn't even know, but she said, okay, I'm gonna start Thursday groups. We're in real trouble here. And, uh, and once you know, into a Thursday group, walks the dream lawyer of all time and the experts come and the money comes in the whole nine yards. Because when you get the lawyer involved in the day that you file, I mean, everybody is so jazzed. And, and so I've always said many hands make light work, okay? So thousands of people um, can get a lot done this way. And also if you have thousands or tens of thousands of people, then nobody has to contribute much money and all of a sudden you have a pile of it, right? So, um, and the attorneys, by the way, this is another thing, this whole thing about finding free lawyers became a big thing last year. And, and the, this was well-intentioned, but the good lawyers understand what's involved in this, which means it's a full-time job and you have to pay them. And many of them are not expecting to be paid like the hourly rate they would normally charge, but you got to make sure that they don't end up living in their car with four kids, right? So, so we have to pay lawyers. So, But it doesn't take much from each person when you get the numbers of people we're talking about. So just think about this for a minute. We get our 70 million people everybody puts up a dollar, you have $70 million. Well, you can fight with about anybody if you have that kind of money, okay? Mm -hmm. And the other thing that will happen is we'll start at some point in time doing lawsuits where damages will be paid. You know, the, the airlines, the, the, the federal government will have to bail them out if we get enough judgments against them. Um, and so we'll, that, we'll get back some of what they took from us, I suppose. Uh, but the big box stores, I, I don't know if you heard this, but in the UK, Already, somebody's gotten seven thousand pounds as a judgment for being refused entry to a store because of a mask. 
she wouldn't wear a mask. That's in the UK. You don't hear anything about that here, of course. They didn't want you to hear about that. But we will get those kinds of judgments, um, which then gives you more money to operate with, and you know that kind of thing. So, so the whole thing is people say, "What do I do? Start a Thursday group." So, how are we going to find a lawyer? Thursday groups. How are we going to get the money? Thursday groups. How are we going to get the names? We're going to do Thursday groups. And I, I mean, I'm in charge of this organization. I have 25,000 jobs every day when I get up. All I think about is how I'm going to get more people to come to Thursday groups and shove them into Thursday groups. I mean, everybody that comes in here to deliver something, I have a litmus test question I ask if it's somebody I don't know. So how are you holding up through all this? And you know what they say? Either, well, we got to stay safe. Okay, sheep, go on. Or the other, the other question, answer you got is, oh my God, I can't wait for this to be over. Okay, let me tell you about my Thursday group. You need to come, right? So these are people who you can talk to. And uh, if everybody just does that, you know the law of multiplication, 10 to get 10 to get 10. And before you know it, we have our voter group. And then we can start wreaking havoc with these people, even this year, because the, th the threat of being primaried is significant in people who think they're in secure seats or who won their election by a very small margin. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious, there's, you know, I've heard uh, a number of lawsuits starting to uh, originate for tortious damages, right? Mm -hmm. So things that have affected the revenue and profitability of, of a business or an organization. Let's say um, one in particular was a lot of their business was built on Facebook with Facebook ads and Instagram on social media. Uh, they got censored, shadow banned on, on both platforms causing a substantial loss in revenue, an inability to uh, fulfill on a contract that they had with, you know, one of their lawyers. Mm -hmm. And um, is, are there cases there? And is that is, is there a hub for these things to be organized where someone was violated in some unconstitutional way? Someone else has tortious damages for their for censorship that led to the shutting down of their business. Someone else had to shut down their business while, you know, Walmart was open right next door. You know, is is there a central hub for people that have cases to, to get them organized? Not yet. Or is, is would that be a distraction from what you're doing right now? Distraction. And, and okay. I'm a real methodical person. So mm -hmm. I think we have to prove that it was a fake pandemic because yes. then everything else goes away. You got to free the people. We have a limited window of time to free the people. So we got to get everybody free, prove that it's fake. And then you can go after all the perpetrators. You know, ignorance is not a defense. Okay. At some point in time, particularly some of these very wealthy people with resources, they have the ability to check it out. I mean, I've, I've had, I've had people who, who are not high school graduates who have called hospitals in their County and found out there's no pandemic. Okay, so you don't have to have any specialized training to be able to figure this out. So I think the first thing we do is, is these lawsuits in every state. And, and my strategy is, and I think um, it's not just mine, but our group strategy is, every time you file the lawsuit, you learn, the lawyers learn from each other. So when it was just Ohio, we had one lawyer and his partner helped out. And then we're all trying to figure out what to do, but it's just dependent on Tom. Well, now we have two lawyers in New Mexico so we got three lawyers working on this. Now we've got two more brilliant lawyers. So now we got five, okay? And so, and, and there, if you get this downtime in your own lawsuits, so you can go help somebody else, right? So mm -hmm. um, we had a motion due in December. Anna and Jonathan had filed their lawsuit in New Mexico. You wait for a hearing. So now they can take time and help. And, and so you get better and better and you're building a pack of a legal team. So if you approach it with, let's get the state, let's get everybody free, then let's use the proof that we got from those cases 
because you're really in a powerful position then to go after people for money. Mm-hmm. So I, I agree that it needs to be done. I would just disagree with doing it now. Mm-hmm. And um, and by the way, one of the things I'm doing, because I'm, uh, you know, again, I get pushback from people. I'm not trying to be queen of the universe. That's not, not it. But one of the reasons my company is successful is we do eight things here. We do them extraordinarily well, and we do them the same t- same way several thousand times a month. Okay, so you can imagine the chaos if I came into this big building with all these people and every day we're doing something different, different way, whatever we could, we would all be living in our car. Right. So so what I'm trying to bring to this is that same type of systemization where conference calls at noon to teach people how to mobilize Thursday groups. I mean, you can have a Wednesday group. We just call them that, but but weekly meetings to get people mobilized. We file this lawsuit in every state. We're looking for a particular type of lawyer, blah, blah, blah. And then we move on to the next thing and the next thing. So it's kind of like herding cats. But if we can herd all the cats into a system, we're going to get more done faster. And, and we've already seen that. Like I said, the, other than the occasional protest, there really are not organized large enough groups to get anything done anywhere, except for what we've brought to the table, as far as I can determine. Mm-hmm. And how, um, so any lawyers listening who feel passionate about this cause and want to make a difference, do they go to makeamericansfreeagain.com? Just send me an email, pampopperatmsn.com. You can read our complaints online. Uh, okay. We post those. Um, and, um, and I'll be posting our state leaders. We're starting to appoint leaders in each state um, who've risen up and said, I'm willing to be kind of the leader of this effort in our state. So we're going to start posting that. But the complaints are there um, and uh, a lot about what we're doing and how to start a Thursday group and that sort of thing are there, too. Yeah, guys, it, the, the way out is not through violence. It's it's through this process. So if uh, if you are a lawyer or you know a lawyer, please pass this along to them and encourage them to go to makeamericansfreeagain.com or send Pam an email and um, pampopper at msn.com and uh, get involved. Pam, how do, so we know the vaccine courts, it's pretty well documented that they're fairly corrupt. And I mean, even so they've paid out over 4 billion in damages, but it's it's pretty well known that a lot of the judges are, are bought and, and corrupt and controlled by the pharmaceutical industry. How do, in these cases, how do we ensure that the judges are not bought? What what exists in order to make 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 certain that that is the case? Okay, so first of all, the vaccine court is different. They aren't real judges in the sense that judges are at a lower court, appellate court, federal court, right? So that's the first thing. The second thing is it's important to file these cases in federal court because the state courts are where the governors have a lot of control. They have lots of favors owed. The big law firms, many of the people who are appointed to positions, you know, uh, come from the governor. So we file everything in federal court. We're going to get some bad judges and some good judges, and that's why it's important to file everywhere, because something doesn't work in this state, but it works in another state. I think it's going back to my point of we can't we can't fall into the mentality of, oh, gosh, Hitler invaded Poland, so we're done. All right. So when we lose something, whoever loses is going to appeal anyway, and where this is actually going to get litigated is in front of the Supreme Court. And I won't talk about it here, but we have a strategy for the Supreme Court that is very, very important. And, and we have our attorney, the lead attorney in all this is Tom Renz. He's brilliant. And he's a, he's a, th- a strategic thinker. That's why I'm saying you, you, you don't necessarily go to look for an attorney online and somebody says, you should hire me because I'm really a strategic thinker, right? So that's why you have to just wait for who shows up and vet those people. 
But um, but he's a very good strategic thinker, and he's thought through a strategy for how we're going to go to the Supreme Court and argue it, and worked backwards from there. So and and that's distinctly different from the anger and frustration fueled. Let's go file something with a free lawyer tomorrow, just because I'm mad and I need to do something. And I know where that comes from. I was mad and felt that way too. But 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 really working from a strategic standpoint. So we're going to win some, lose some, but we're going to get to the Supreme Court. And I think we have a pretty good chance at the Supreme Court. But here's the other thing. You start to change public opinion just by winning to the extent that you're winning. I mean, people in Ohio realize things are different than other places. They can go online. We, we filed our lawsuit was 59 pages with 288 references and 627 pages of referenced supporting documentation. We filed a similar document with the federal court against the federal agencies. So, so again, you, you start to change public opinion just by the actions that you take and some of the things that happen even before you get in front of a jury. The depositions, you can publicize your depositions. Those become, they, those change public opinion. So what will happen, I predict, is while we're working our way to the Supreme Court, as this drags on and on, and people have a lot of fatigue with it already, okay? Mm -hmm. um, I think the uh, public opinion will start to turn on these people and it's gonna get increasingly difficult for the government to control this. I think that they over, I think they miscalculated how long they could keep people under control. And I don't know what's gonna happen with Mr. Biden in office. Oh, one, one, of, one of their models was incorrect? What a uh, shocker. Yeah, well, their, their models were incorrect. Also their, their prediction of how long they could get away with this was incorrect. Right. And, and, and Biden is not in any position to exercise the type of judgment that would be required to keep 80, 90 million people calm or half the population calm as it really does come out that this was all fraudulent. He's gonna have his hands full, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think there's going to be a huge awakening. I'm, you know, how many people are going to read a deposition? I don't know. I, I would have thought more prior to March 2020, but um, you know, my 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 thoughts are that the cross section of critical thinking humans that I assume to be true is much smaller in in reality. Well, but um, that won't that won't matter. I just want to say this because I think it's real important. Um, you know, it was a pretty small number of people who understood what was going on in Germany at the, mm -hmm. when, the, when the war started. Mm -hmm. but there were lots and lots and lots of sheep, who, many of whom knew what was going on, just didn't want to be bothered with it. It was mm -hmm. a minority of people who saved, who, who fought World War II and saved the world from Hitler's god mm -hmm. plans, okay? Um, it was actually a pretty small minority of the people who lived in the country who won the Revolutionary War. And so we don't need 100 million people to be cranky about this, okay? You only need, you, you need some big mouth people like me who mm -hmm. can make waves. And, and the people who are going, we, we've got to forget about the people who are burying their heads in the sand. They're hopeless. We're going to save them from themselves, really, as part <laughs> of the deal. Yeah. But, but the people who will read, if we post a deposition of Fauci online, people like you are going to read it, mm -hmm. and you're going to be incensed when you read it, Okay. Mm -hmm. And so are the rest. So this is a way to get people incensed. And I think your continual reminder that we're not interested in violence. That's not how you use the incensed feeling. It's you start a Thursday group, contribute to the fund, see that we can overcome this by organizing. They're very, the other side is very good at organizing and they're very focused and we should learn from that. 
I agree. And I recognize that you're a very busy woman. I want to be respectful of your time. So I have three last questions as we kind of land this plane to bring it home. Um, the big linchpin or the leg that we need to kick out is that the pandemic is, uh, is a lie, right? Or right. rather that the, they're saying the pandemic is real. If, if we can prove that the pandemic is a lie and that we're, we therefore should not be in a state of emergency, then a lot of the other dominoes fall. That's the right. big domino. Right. Um, I recognize some of this needs to be revealed in court. You don't want to show all of your cards um, to allow the other side to prepare. Is there anything that you can share with our audience that will be included in that argument that also doesn't reveal too much to the opposition? Yeah, um, I, I think a couple of things. You know, we have really good data on seasonal flu, which has disappeared, okay, as they've called everything COVID, all right? So when you true up those numbers, you're gonna, it's going to be entirely different. Um, another thing is we know the death certificates were forged because we have the document. You can read it online right now from that. I, it's an alphabet soup of agencies, you know, the HHS, the CDC. Well, I can never can remember the initials for this agency, but it's the one that said, here's how you fill out the death certificates. And it actually says in the document, um, this is so as to have more cases of confirmed COVID by death than not, death by COVID than not. It's, that language is in there. So at some point in time, through discovery, we're gonna get the death certificates. And where this was done on a small scale was a sampling of death certificates that um, Scott Jensen and a state representative in Minnesota got a hold of him. He's the Senator who just retired from public service, but a family practice dog. And they looked at the death certificates and said there was at least a 20% inflation rate. So we'll adjust the death rate because a lot of these people died with but not of COVID. Um, and those are just a couple of data points that we've all, I've already written about this and, and published it. And then the third linchpin that we've talked about quite a bit is the PCR testing, because PCR is not a test. Um, and a, a one time it was used that I can find was back at uh, Dartmouth Medical uh, Facility in 2009, I think it was, when they thought they were having an outbreak of whooping cough. And it was proven to be 100% inactive, 100% failure rate, all right? So, if, so we really are using a fake test to gin up um, uh, you know, uh, cases, which mean nothing. I mean, if I get tested, I'm positive on the case of what? The 64-year-old woman who's healthy and don't take drugs, what am I a case of? Well, probably don't want to ask my enemies that question, right? But, but um, anyway, many things wrong with that PCR test, and including we have downloaded a video of Mr. Fauci saying to a neurology conference last summer that when you run that PCR at 35 cycles or more, you get, quote, a lot of dead nucleotides and garbage and it's all false positives. Well, that's what he told people to do. Okay, so I think it's not going to be difficult for us to show that this was not done properly. And to add to that, the inventor of the PCR test, Kerry Mullis, has said that it should not be used for this. And then he had some further thoughts on Dr. Fauci, but the, the inventor of the PCR test said, we should not be using my test for this because it allows data to be manipulated and it's not accurate. Right. Exactly. Okay. Let's pretend for a minute. Um, I'd like you to imagine that all of this is God's plan and we're seeing problem reaction solution, but God is allowing these problems to be created so that the reaction and solution that occur are within his plan. What do you see? How do you see this playing out? Uh, I think it is God's plan. 
Um, and I'll tell I you what too. I, I'll, uh, here's how I see it. We've been talking about education reform for as long as I've been an adult. Have you seen any reform? I haven't, okay? So what better way to reform education than to blow up the system, have a record number of people pulling their children out of school to homeschool, and it's still going on as this nonsense goes on. People are pulling their kids out of school and homeschooling. And what, what a friend of mine today just announced this morning, I pulled my kids out of school, I'm keeping them at home. So it's still happening. Okay, that's a, that's a wonderful thing. If they ever want the kids back, they're gonna have to change things, right? Mm -hmm. And if they don't, homeschooling works out pretty well. And start neighborhood homeschooling groups in the community. Yeah, and we're gonna get involved in that too, all right? I have some plans for education. So education's gonna get better. The medical system has been careening toward disaster. It's effectively collapsed and it's collapsing for two reasons. We own a school that trains health professionals. We have never been busier than we are right now because they're, they're just saying, I don't wanna get a vaccine. I don't even want to be part of any of this crap. I don't respect my colleagues anymore. I want to be on your side of healthcare. So we're going to see healthcare practitioners leaving in droves and the distrust of the health uh, system is huge. People, they're, they're, you can go to Medscape, for example, and just peruse articles and you'll see they're all saying, you know, we've got to make people want to come to the doctor again. They don't want to go to the, they got, they got out of the habit of hanging out with doctors, which is a good thing. Mm -hmm. If your goal is that you want vaccination, universal vaccination, you know, in some counties in the United States, the vaccination rate is down to 40% because people stop doing this constant taking their kids to pediatricians. And if you pull them out of school, you don't need the darn vaccines, right? So we're going to see that change. And I think that a lot of people are waking up and saying, I have got to, I'm trying to wake them up. You have to be an engaged citizen, all right? If we're going back to why did this election got stolen? It got stolen from us because of mail-in balloting. If we had ended this whole thing, if we'd been organized the way that I'm talking about, we would have ended this thing last summer. There wouldn't have been any reason for mail-in balloting, would there? Okay, so it's waking people up. You cannot sit on your rear end and hope that this goes away. And that goes to my point earlier about Thursday groups. You know what people email me about all the time? Why don't you set me up with groups in the area that I can go join? You know what I tell them? No, and here's why. You have to go start a Thursday group. You have to be an active citizen. You have to recruit people. I am not your flipping social director, all right? If, and this is a big problem that happened in the past. It was a handful of really active people putting their heart, soul, and money into trying to solve problems for large numbers of people while everybody waited for a report about what they were doing. And I've said publicly, this girlfriend isn't going to do that. You are going to report to me. I'm happy to report to you what I'm doing every week, but you're going to report to me what you're doing. And if you don't do that, then we have no hope of coming out of this. And that mes message is resonating and for the most part, people are going, okay, I'll start a Thursday group. Just yeah. go get one person who agrees with you and get started. That's what I think is going to come out of this. And we are going to be very powerful when we finish this off. Mm -hmm. I think I know what you're going to say here, but um, we have a number of men and women listening to this episode that are looking for the one thing to do. And you're probably going to say start a Thursday, Thursday group, group. Yeah. right? So like, what's the first step though? Do they email you? Do they, do they go to make America free again? And you know, what do they say? They say, you know, I'm in, let's do this. Okay. So send me an email at pampopper at msn.com every Thursday at noon. Again, systematic way of doing this. Every Thursday at noon, I hold a conference call. I share our strategy. I help people learn how to get organized and I answer questions. 
I post a recent phone call on the website so you can listen to a conference call at makeamericansfreeagain.com. And then we send you the template for starting your meeting and what to do and all that sort of thing, okay? So if you want to get started, you want to help with our effort, and everybody should, Popper at msn.com will get you hooked up for a Thursday call, start a Thursday meeting, um, and we can save our country. We can save humanity. And uh, the rest of the world's looking at us. We have to do this. We have to do this to save ourselves and we have to do it to set an example for the rest of the world too. Well, Pam, I'm 100% in. When we jump off, I'm going to send an email to Pam Popper at msn.com. Count me in. I'm going to start a Thursday group. And guys, men and women, light warriors, if you are listening and you resonated with this message, uh, email Pam as well, Pam Popper at msn.com. Join the good fight and be the change that you want to see in the world. Pam Popper, thank you so much for doing this interview. Really appreciate all of the hard work you're putting out and and, and all of the, the great changes that you're bringing forth and pulling into our reality. Thank you so much. Thank you. What's up, guys? Anthony here. And thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Biohacking Secrets Show. One of my favorite things to do is helping men and women like you feel what it's like with the body you've always wanted, an all-day energy that starts the moment you wake up and doesn't quit. Over the past decade, we've created a proprietary health assessment that helps me to identify the unique toxicities and deficiencies that may be holding you back from the life that you deserve. And what we've discovered in doing this with now thousands of CEOs, executives, professional athletes, businessmen, Hollywood celebrities, and entrepreneurs is that there's always room for improvement and optimization. Whether you're already performing at a high level or you have that feeling inside your heart that you're capable of more, the single fastest way to unlock your potential is to upgrade your mind and your body. And there's no program on earth that does that faster or to a greater magnitude than our one-on-one consulting program at www.biohackingsecrets.com forward slash coaching. We start with our proprietary health assessment that screens you for vitamin deficiencies like A, D, magnesium, iron, etc., high cholesterol and heart disease, high blood pressure, digestive disorders, hidden infections like Lyme, Epstein-Barr, parasites, SIBO, Candida, and more that can just drain your energy in the background, especially if you don't know about them. Anxiety, depression, and cognitive disorders, autoimmune disease, adrenal fatigue, thyroid issues, mold toxicity, heavy metals, environmental toxins, and other genetic risk factors like MTHFR, APOE status, your glutathione production, and many more. We even recommend the specific tests that I use with my one-on-one clients if they're relevant for you in figuring out your biological age and identifying those key areas and opportunities that can take your life to the next level. From there, we create a customized game plan along with a personalized supplement protocol to help you optimize your weight and energy at the cellular level. And for our platinum clients, we even include a personalized workshop with me in Delray Beach, Florida. Most of the year, this program's full with a waiting list, but we just had a couple spots open up and I wanted to offer them to the listeners of the Biohacking Secrets show first. So if you're interested in seeing what it might look like for us to work together, head over to www.biohackingsecrets.com forward slash coaching. That's www.biohackingsecrets.com forward slash C-O-A-C-H-I-N-G and fill out the short application form. If you're pre-approved, you'll be given the opportunity to book a time to connect with someone on our team and see if it's a fit. Thank you so much for being a part of this community, and I look forward to potentially going on this journey together. 